Good evening and welcome to eChat. I'm so glad that you have joined us tonight and we are coming to you live on this Palm Sunday evening. What a great time we had this morning in our drive-in service down at the East Wind campus in Palm Bay. We had such a great time. It was so good to see so many of our East Wind family members and to see all of our church and everybody coming in cars and honking their horns and worshiping and taking communion together. It was a really just an awesome day. And uh, we so enjoyed uh, being in that atmosphere. And then the presence of God was there in such a powerful way. We are so blessed here at East Wind. Well, I am glad that you have joined us tonight. And this is a format that we started when we first went into this uh, social distancing time. And that is that every Sunday night, we wanted to uh, be able to just have more of an informal discussion and uh, deal with a topic that was more practical in nature and something that would be uh, informative and interactive and hopefully inspirational as well. And so we started out talking with some of our technology team and our social media team. And last week we talked with Matthew Staver of Liberty Council. And tonight we're so glad uh, to have Dr. Myers with us. And we're gonna be talking a little bit about the whole issue of mental health during this um, period of time that we're in where everybody's kind of in these stay at home, um, you know, ordinances that are keeping everybody social distancing and keeping everybody to try to flatten this curve and keep us safe from um, being able to uh, keep this uh, virus from spreading. And so we just want to invite you to just join in. I see some of you already joined in, Stephen DeBolt, Pam Hardy, Amber, uh, Christine, Stephanie. We're so glad you guys are all here. Clay, uh, we're glad that you've joined us. And Lisa Hayes and Allison and Amber, and we're so glad that all of you joined. And so uh, just join in with us and whatever questions you have, just feel free to ask those questions. And we'll be happy to um, ask Dr. Myers these questions. And we'll just have a, a time to be able to discuss some of these issues going forward. But let's go ahead and get started with our interview of Dr. Myers. And uh, I don't think that Dr. Myers is a stranger to uh, many of our East Wind family, but uh, perhaps if you're watching uh, by internet and perhaps you've not met Dr. Myers, let me give you a little bit of her background. Dr. Myers is uh, my mother, which is her greatest claim to fame. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Myers has uh, uh, been a pastor's wife for many, many years and then um, started going to school. And she graduated in 19 or rather 2004 with her Ph.D. in mental health counseling graduated summa cum laude from Barry University. And since that time, the last 16 years, she has established a very well-recognized counseling practice that's based out of our East Wind campus in Palm Bay, Florida. It's been a help to so many people. And so Dr. Myers, we thank you for the discipline and the dedication and all that it takes to be able to uh, not just go through the rigors of a a scholastical program like that, but also to excel with a 4.0, be valedictorian of your class, University of Central Florida, and really do it all because I know your desire has always been to be able to benefit the kingdom of God. And so how has that journey been for you? It's been, <clears throat> excuse me, it's been very gratifying. And it is the kind of a journey that is different almost every week because people are all different. Problems are 
may be the same, but then different people handle them differently. So it's definitely not boring. It's exciting, but it's also a very serious kind of work. Right. What do you enjoy most about counseling? Well, what I enjoy is when I see that there is a change. When Mm. someone has made a difference, uh, when they leave counseling, it's in a different frame of mind than when they entered. Right. Yeah, to be able to feel like that you're effectively helping someone to improve their quality of life. I know that's going to be very rewarding. Well, let me uh, just get into this subject because this is a very unique time that we're in. And have you ever seen anything like this? Not in my lifetime. (laughs) And not in her lifetime. It certainly hasn't been in my lifetime. Um, You know, there was a survey that was released, I think, yesterday. And they, um, the people that they surveyed in America, they asked them, is your mental health being affected uh, during this time, this time of social distancing, this time of lockdown and so forth? And 36% of the people said that their mental health is being affected negatively yes. by this period of time. Why is that? Well, it's we are hearing a lot of negativism. Of course, we are in a crisis and uh, there is a lot of the unknown. This particular virus has never existed before now. And so... Even the experts are not sure how it's going to affect everyone. So there's a lot of unknown and people are uh, worried. They have families and uh, it's a it's a very real crisis. Is there is there something about the the steps that we're taking um, as the task force, the White House task force has said to to slow the spread, uh, these different steps that they were all taking? Is there something that's inherent about that, um, the social distancing that affects our mental health? Yes, I think whenever there is such an abrupt Mm -hmm. change to a person's lifestyle and their schedule, uh, people by far don't like change. And this has been an immediate change. It has just seemingly been overnight and so many restaurants are closed and People are not going to work. Mm. Children are not going to school. Uh, it's it's very much altering what we're used to, and that causes stress. Yeah. You know, in, in prison, they put people in solitary confinement when they disciplinary actions, when they're trying to break their spirit. And and I, I know this is not solitary confinement per se, but it may feel that way for a lot of people. So how does that really affect us mentally? Well, I think <clears throat> one of the things that, we have to incorporate in our lifestyle since uh, this has all come upon us is to go outside, uh, not to uh, stay in the house 24 hours a day. Uh, Mm -hmm. Most of us have neighborhoods uh, where we can get out and walk. We can ride a bike. And I think just getting out even in your patio or very important not to just stay within four walls. Yeah, just to get out. And, you know, I see that even in uh, the neighborhood that I live, that people are getting out and they're, they're walking and they're riding their bikes. Yes. And there's something healthy, I guess, about just getting out in the sunshine. And yes. I don't understand why they're closing the beaches. It seems like to me the beaches is when you would, where you would go to, 
I guess that's to slow down the whole spring break crowd from coming down. But it seems like to me getting out in nature would be something that would be beneficial. You know, another thing, Dr. Myers, that we're seeing that's really disturbing is the 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 skyrocketing uh, rise in domestic abuse and in divorce. Yes. And in depression. Yes. And even suicide. It was it was tragic. I I read yesterday about two nurses in New York City that that committed suicide. Well, why is that? Well, one thing that we know, if we just look at our brains, our brains love negativity. We are actually wired to think negatively. Some people say that had to do with survival in Mm -hmm. the early times of a civilization. But our brains love to dwell on negativism. And we are hearing a great amount of negativism. We're looking at charts where thousands of people are dying every day. And so this is really a a time when uh, people that are prone to worry at all are going to worry more extensively. Yeah. How important is it that people have hope? You know, I I listen to these press conferences that are going on in the White House and Mm -hmm. I know that the president keeps saying we got to get back to work and this can't go on forever. And and yet the doctors are saying, you know, the people that are in the medical field are saying this could last three, four or five months. We don't know. We're in uncharted waters. Is is part of the, the therapy of it to, to kind of have some sort of a light at the end of the tunnel approach? Yes. One of the uh, reasons that people get depressed is because they lose hope. Uh, They take their lives because they see no answer to their problems. That's why we're seeing suicide and all of that. But I just heard a statistic today. And if we uh, listen carefully, we can get some positive input, even from all of what's going on about us. For instance, just today, I heard 80% of all people that are affected by Uh, that uh, test positive for the virus, recover. Uh, That's a pretty large number. Um, So even though we're hearing a lot of negative input, uh, we are having some positive news, and there is light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, This is something that's not going to be here forever. However, uh, I, I think about people, and I know in my own individual practice, uh, people that are prone to worry about small things, this is a horrible time. This mm-hmm. is a horrible time for people that just worry about everyday life because they really are afraid of what's coming down the road. Is there is there a, a part of this that affects us mentally that has to do with uh, people feeling a loss of control? Yes, Absolutely feeling a loss of control, especially when you hear the experts saying, well, uh, we don't know for sure. Right. (laughs) Nobody really does. I mean, we're all just taking this a day at a time. Right. And this is an unknown, uh, you know, President Trump calls it the unseen enemy. Uh, You asked if I've ever seen anything like this in my life. Never. And unless you go, if you were living in 1917 or 18, whenever they had the Spanish flu, 
a hundred million people died. Wow. And uh, was but, that worldwide, or was yeah, that? Yeah, that was worldwide. A hundred million people. My uh, so you know, this is uh, is quite it's quite a, a time to be alive and to be faced with all of this. But we do have to keep hope. Right. And there is light at the end of the tunnel. You know, when we talk about hope, the thing that comes to my mind is where, where's the balance between the hope that we need from a practical standpoint and the hope that we need from a spiritual standpoint? Where's the balance in that? Well, in the natural sense, as I said, we need to think of the positive. Uh, one very positive thing in our area is here in Brevard um, and in Florida, less than 10% are being affected by this virus. Mm. We are at the bottom of that chart that they keep showing. Uh, so we're very fortunate. We are. Uh, in order to uh, keep hope just in the practical sense, we need to focus on those things. We're not alone. We have, we have support system. Uh, we have our families. We have our friends. We have our church. Uh, but then, of course, in the uh, spiritual side, we have God. Right. We have God, and Absolutely. as you said in your message today, this is nothing that he's concerned that I mean, those of us that read the Word of God, we know plagues were prevalent. Mm -hmm. A plague is right. something that God could send, and he could take it away. And so we have confidence in our God that he knows what this is. We don't know, but he knows what that virus is, and he knows how to remove it. Right. You know, one of the things that I've uh, heard come up in these kinds of discussions just on an informal basis is that when we when we talk about, you know, you just think positively, focus on the fact that 80% recover and think about good things. Of course, we know the Bible talks about that in Philippians. If yes. you're being good, think on these things. Yes. And we know that there's a lot of positive, you know, uh, mental uh, stimulation that comes from having that um dwelling on the good, not the negative, the glasses, you know, half full, not half yeah. empty, the optimistic approach. But yet you mentioned earlier, people that, that worry about a lot of small things to begin with, this is really a traumatic time for them. How do you help a person that is not necessarily prone toward optimism and may not even have the capacity to dwell on the good or they can't, necessarily put together those steps that may be very easy for someone else, but for them, they don't really have that wherewithal to be able to assimilate things in a positive way to sort of, you know, have a, a, a breadcrumb trail that they can follow, you know, to the end of the rainbow. How, how do you help a person that struggles with even putting together the necessary infrastructure to find their way out of the darkness? Well, one thing that we always ask with clients is about their support system. Okay. Uh, this is extremely important. If you have just one person in your life that you can confide in, mm. that is a good listener, that is a tremendous help. Our um, even though people might be warriors, right. if they have a support system, if they have people that love them, if they have people that they connect with, Absolutely. that takes them a big way, a big uh, way down the road to just concentrating on 
what's going on and worrying. Gotcha. Well, we're talking with Dr. Myers. We're talking about uh, the mental health and all that we're affected by with this outbreak, this coronavirus outbreak, and we're attempting to redeem the time and navigate uh, these uncharted waters as best we can. So we're inviting people to just go ahead and submit your questions, whatever questions you have. We're so glad Chris Rossetti has joined us. We love Chris. We want to give a big shout out to him in California and also to Steve. Uh, we give you a big shout and Marie Bush, who we love very much. Uh, so glad you're here, uh, Marie and Lenny and, and Harry is also with us and uh, Sue Pippen and Ann Watson and Jimmy Chapman and, and Lydia and so many of you are joining uh, Jonathan and Lila. So glad that you guys are joining. And uh, if you got any questions, just feel free uh, to uh, go ahead and submit those. And we want to make this as as uh, interactive as we can. Dr. Myers, you mentioned earlier about some of the positive things that we can do, some of the healthy things that we could do uh, during this time. You mentioned being able to go outside, taking a walk, going out in the sunshine. What are some other things that people can do during this time to stay healthy mentally? <clears throat> One thing that is very easy to do if a person is feeling stressed is to practice deep breathing. It's very easy. You breathe in through your nose and extend your stomach, hold your breath, and then release the breath through your mouth. Do it for five seconds. Breathe in for five seconds, hold your breath for five seconds, and release your breath for five seconds. What does this do? This brings oxygen mm -hmm. to all of the cells in our body, and okay. it actually helps us to calm down. Um, another thing is that uh, we talked about uh, going outside. Keeping a journal at this time is very therapeutic. Why so? Keeping a journal helps you to take the thoughts that are ruminating all through your mind all day and put them on paper. It's like a release from the brain to paper. That is very, very helpful. Um, another thing is take a break from the news. Mm. I strongly advise yeah. that. Uh, it's on all day, and, and some of it is very repetitive. Uh, so I know my last visit before this all occurred, my last physical uh, with my uh, internist, uh, he talked about watching the news in the morning and in the evening, and that's all. <laughs> Not all day. <laughs> Not all day. So uh, take a break, you know, take a break from the news. Um, and then things like staying connected, uh, you know, talk to people on the phone. Mm -hmm. I know you have family around, but there may be friends like Chris that we haven't seen for years. And right. we, you know, we all have busy schedules. We don't have time. Mm -hmm. But now we have time to connect. Uh, we mm -hmm. can do positive things right. at this time that we could not do when our schedule was so tight. Absolutely. Mark Condon, we give you a big shout out. So glad that you have joined us. And uh, we're glad that you're on with us. And uh, of course, Sister Amy Ritchie and, and uh, Lena, we're so glad you guys have joined us. You know, one of the things that came to my mind as you were talking is routine. It seems like people find a lot of comfort in routine. And all of our routines have been absolutely blown up. Right. You know, our routine about going to work. And it, is it important for people's mental health to be able to, to come up with an alternate routine? 
And in other words, have a routine during this period. One of the reasons that we're doing broadcasting every night uh, at seven o'clock is not only to, you know, fill the airways with, with, uh, you know, the gospel and make this a, a revival time, but also the routine of knowing that every night at seven o'clock, you can sit down with your family and there'll be a, a, a spiritual emphasis through the preaching of the word of God. Do you believe that it's important for us to get a routine, even though everything is topsy turvy right now? That is very important. Everybody get up in the morning, get dressed, mm -hmm. eat breakfast together and start your day. Children are going to school online. They're still going to school. Right. It's just a different media. And many people are working online. Uh, so absolutely keep a schedule. And something I want to say that I think is extremely important about a schedule, and that is schedule in fun. I know you agree with that. Oh, you know me. You raised me. <laughs> Uh, I love but, fun. Yes. Yeah, so, but mentally, talking about being mentally healthy, uh, schedule it in your daily mm. uh, routine. Yeah. Uh, something that is fun, something that you enjoy doing, something that children enjoy doing. And actually, it will be very helpful in managing the children when they know at the end of the day and when, you know, they've done schoolwork and so forth, they're going yes. to do uh, something that's recreational. Have you seen in your practice, Dr. Myers, that there's been an increase uh, in, in anxiety even before this happened? Actually, I have. I have seen a great increase. I have gotten more calls in the, the past, really, six months. Mm. Uh, and, you know, anxiety is a national problem, David. Is it? it this has um, brought it maybe to the forefront. Maybe it's more extensive. Maybe mm. there are more people. But it is, uh, I think the last statistic that I read is that 40% uh, of the American population deals with extensive anxiety. Wow. What, what do you think is the root cause of that? You know, I think that, uh, like I was saying, uh, um, our brains are so, they have a negativity bias. And we... Uh, our brains will remember negative words, negative uh, happenings more than they will positive. And sometimes uh, we don't realize we just go along with it. You know, these things go through our brains and, and we don't try to counteract them. But that's another uh, great tool to staying mentally healthy, David, yeah. is to learn to counteract this negativism with positivism. Mm -hmm. And you know, uh, years and years ago, uh, that book was written about the power of positive thinking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Norman Vincent and, Peale. Yeah, Norman Vincent Peale. But it's, it's something that, uh, you know, we have to uh, be aware of, mm -hmm. that we have this bend toward negativism, mm -hmm. and that we have to learn to, uh, one, another good thing to do, uh, talking about dealing with anxiety, uh, and this has proven to be uh, very helpful, is to write down three things every day that you are thankful for. Mm. Every day. That gets your mind going in the right direction. Yeah, you know, Romans 1, when it talks about all those different things that happens as people fall away from the Lord, when you go all the way back to the beginning of that, that list, that litany of all these sins, 
it says that they were not thankful in their heart. Yes. It's almost as if that lack of appreciation starts a sort of a slippery slope Yes, that runs down and, and we can reverse that. You know, Dr. Myers, you've been very candid about the battle that you had with anxiety a few years ago when you fell and, and, um, and uh, sort of cracked your, your pelvis Yes, and the pelvis started healing, but you dealt with a lot of fear and you've talked about that been very candid about it. And it's helped a lot of people. Uh, what would you, what do you attribute? I remember you saying when you were in the middle of that, that even though you knew mentally, you know, that this was an unjustified fear and the anxiety that you dealt with, you knew it, but it still, even though you knew it mentally, it didn't help emotionally. What was it that really helped you to be able to get over that or get through that? Well, of course, as you know, in the end, prayer was the final thing that really got me through it yeah. and the word of God. Right. But um, since then, it was an experience that was very new. I had never experienced any anxiety like that. Uh, but I, I found out since then that uh, going through something like that, things like this too will pass. Mm -hmm. And just not fighting the anxiety, but learning to go with it, kind of go into it and... Uh, just ride it out. Mm. Uh, there's certain things I personally learned through my own experience. Uh, I even experienced uh, one or two panic attacks where my body shook and uh, it, it was it was scary. Yeah. It was frightful. But since then, I've also learned more about panic attacks that it won't kill you. Right. And anxiety will not kill you. Right. It's uncomfortable but it is not life-threatening. Wow. You know, they keep talking about this, and certainly I don't want to try to put any fear in your life, but just in terms of analyzing it, they've talked about this um, this pandemic and how it's, it's uh, the senior citizens that are targeted by it, that are more vulnerable to it. Um, now, I know you don't look like you're my mother, but <laughs> it's obvious that I'm not a teenager anymore. No. And, and and you're my mother, so we can put two and two together and realize that. Very easily. <laughs> we're uh, we're not spring problem. chickens. <laughs> do you do you uh, do you sense that there's a greater anxiety among senior citizens as it relates to this pandemic? Well, I haven't really uh, heard the breakdown, although I did hear the statistics about the uh, people in Italy that died. Mm -hmm. A great percentage of them were elderly. Uh, but now they're changing, and they're saying from 40 years old, so you'll be in that category. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I was 40. <laughs> 40 years old. I'll take up. it. <laughs> uh, they are also uh, vulnerable, not, not as much. Yeah. Uh, but, um, yes, I, I can understand uh, about the statistics that I have heard is that uh, 40 8% of our country is very concerned about becoming seriously ill. I haven't wow. seen them break it down so much into ages, but wow. there's, there's a lot of concern uh, and worry about this. But I'm sure that the older people, because that is part of what we're hearing every day, mm -hmm. you know, uh, uh, if you're 60 or 65 and older, you are very vulnerable. You really need to stay home. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Teresa, we give you a big shout out.
We're so glad you've joined us, Rosalind, Robin, uh, Pamela, uh, Rachel. So glad that uh, that you have joined us. We're talking here with uh, Dr. Myers, and we're talking about our mental health uh, in the midst of this pandemic, this outbreak. And uh, Rachel uh, Gibson has a question. She says, Dr. Myers, uh, do you have any suggestions for children dealing with additional stress during this time? Yes, uh, Rachel, I'm uh, glad that you asked that question. I'm sure that children have their own particular fears at a time like this. And one of the most important things to do is to talk to the children. Mm. Ask them, uh, uh, what do you think about this virus? Are you concerned? And welcome their questions. Mm -hmm. Another another thing children are uh, very concerned about is their own personal security. Mm. What if mom gets sick? Will she go to the hospital? Uh, Who's going to take care of us? So it's very important, very important, Rachel, with children to talk to them uh, and to ask them and to assure them, you know, if someone gets sick here, uh, that doesn't mean they'll go to the hospital because many people don't. But if one of the people in our family gets sick and they go to the hospital, they'll take care of them at the hospital. And uh, if it's daddy, mommy is still here Mm -hmm. and mommy will be here to take care of you. So you really have to address their fears Mm -hmm. and even ask them because they may not tell you. But I'm sure knowing the way children think that they are very concerned about what's going to happen next. Am I ever going to go back to school? And Mm -hmm. they have insecurities. Are they really worried about going back to school? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's not a big worry. <laughs> Seeing their friends. Yeah, that's, that's true. Seeing their friends. Yeah, I asked my, I asked the boys, you know, they were like, nah, we're fine with this. This is great. We're enjoying it. <laughs> Where's their homeschool? Their but homeschool, they said yeah. they do miss their friends. Yeah. And, you know, playing softball and, you know, getting out and, and seeing, uh, you know, their peers and all. That's a big part of it. You know, we were talking earlier about anxiety. What do you uh, say is the line? between concern and anxiety? That's a good question. Uh, Concern is very normal, of course. Worry. We all are concerned about this present crisis. But a person that is uh, anxious will uh, exhibit certain symptoms. They will be very irritable. They will be restless. Mm. Uh, They will find it hard to concentrate. Uh, one of the hallmarks uh, that uh, we look for in a person that will cross that line from being concerned to having an anxiety problem is that they cannot function in their everyday life. Mm. Uh, they can't cook. They can't do. Uh, they can't go to work. They can't take care of the children. They are so. Uh, in other words, uh, they are so taken up with anxiety that they cannot function. Uh, that's that's one of the hallmarks. And there's a lot of fatigue. Mm. They're very tired. Yeah. Uh, there's uh, several signs like that that show us this is not ordinary. This person is not just worrying in an ordinary sense, but mm. they are crossing the line into anxiety. Wow. We're talking with Dr. Myers 
And we're talking here on eChat tonight about mental health and how we can be healthy uh, mentally and emotionally and spiritually as we're going through this pandemic. And uh, one of the things that I saw today, Dr. Myers, that I thought was so powerful was how everybody just, even though we were in our cars, people were honking their horns and waving and and how therapeutic that was just to, to see everyone that, you know, that we're all so close to in our church family. Yes. And um, is that something that um, people can experience? One of the things we've tried to do as a church is harness social media so that people can still uh, feel connected and feel like that, you know, they're not, I don't think that social media and webcasting uh, can substitute for, you know, actually being in service. Uh, but just experiencing that this morning, I saw how there's something euphoric that happens even in our own spirit whenever we get back into those surroundings that we're comfortable with. And is there a way that people can bring that type of an atmosphere uh, into their homes so that they do feel connected with others outside of their own family? Uh, even during a, a pandemic like this, where we're all supposed to be kind of, you know, sheltered in place. Yes. You know, God has made us to be social creatures. Right. And um, that's why I said getting out in the neighborhood has been interesting to me. And I think this actually happened with one of our sisters in the church. Uh, someone uh, has a birthday party and because of the social distancing, uh, no one was able to go to the house. But everybody drove by and waved. Oh yeah, and saw waved that. at them. That was uh, even uh, uh, they're having showers, and even though someone is not present physically, mm-hmm. there are ways that they are connecting, and and that is so very therapeutic. And this morning was an example yeah, of that. Yeah, really was. It was. It was neat. It's amazing um, to see how creative the the human spirit can be, mm-hmm. and it's very buoyant. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a bobber, you know, when you're fishing, it just seems to pop back up. And um, I think there's something extra about people that are spirit filled and people that are uh, Bible based Christians that have that hope and that faith in God that it seems like no matter what you go through, even throughout the history of Christianity, yes. they were always able to kind of, you know, sort of bob back up. Yes. And they, every time they try to squash it, even in you know, communist countries and all that. It would just, it was like wildfire. They couldn't, they couldn't contain it. And I, I think that um, as, as Christians, you know, we have sort of an extra uh, source. Maybe that's the best way to say it we can pull from, you know, and talking about anxiety and the line between anxiety and concern, which we know concern can be healthy, but then there's anxiety. What's the line between anxiety and then depression? Is that, it, it, that's just the progression, concern, anxiety, depression? Well, uh, at least 50% of people that experience anxiety experience depression. In fact, they are known as cousins. They are quite closely related. But a depressed person has uh, some other symptoms that are not uh, evident with a person that is experiencing anxiety. For instance... A person that is going through depression Mm -hmm. has absolutely lost interest in life. They want to stay in bed all day. They have no pleasure in things that they used to have pleasure in. Uh, They uh, have no hope. 
They, as you said, they, they have no hope. Uh, they are also very fatigued. But the big thing is that they have no interest in life. They don't want to engage in life. Mm. And very often what that will lead to is suicide. Mm. So there's a direct correlation between depression and suicide? Yes. What, a, what about depression? If a person has already had bouts with depression and now they're in the middle of this crisis, what's your advice to them? Well, it would be the same as if there wasn't this crisis. Okay. It would be the same thing. They have to become engaged. Uh, depression feeds on isolation and uh, inactivity. Inactivity. Those are the two things. And when I have had patients dealing with depression, I have always encouraged them to be connected with someone, to visit people, to talk to people, uh, to join uh, you know, some kind of a, a, a club or like they make crafts or quilt if it's a woman. Uh, because iso- depression, David, mm. feeds on isolation. Wow. Uh, and of course, you know, it's thinking about today, but at least we are with our families and we are, you know, we, we can connect in a certain sense. And then inactivity. Uh, people that are depressed, they have to make themselves get out of bed, mm. having a schedule, you know, doing that sort of thing. But uh, isolation is uh, one of the worst things for a depressed person. Wow. Well, we see some more of our friends have joined. Joanne Hedges. Oh. Glad you're here, Joanne. Lisa Manuel. Uh, Arthur, Donna Gardner, Rhea Leonard. So glad you guys are joined. Elaine. We're glad to have you back, Elaine, from Texas. So glad you're back. Joan, uh, Dylan, uh, Jerry Kay, uh, so many of our friends are joining. We're so glad. If you got any questions for uh, Dr. Myers or anything at all that um, you want to ask her concerning um, the mental health that all of us uh, try to find some sort of a valuable way to, to grow during this time, to redeem the time. Um, this is a great time to sort of, you know, have an interactive discussion where we can find healthy habits uh, to put into our life, even during this time. Uh, one of the things, you know, I was thinking of when you said people that suffer with depression, two, two of the most difficult aspects of that is um, inactivity and then also isolation. Yes. And I'm thinking how this crisis exacerbates both yes. of those. Yes. So does. those are the triggers. You can see where depression mm-hmm. would be skyrocketing during this time when people are forced into isolation. Yes. And in many times inactivity. Yes. So what is the solution? Well, it's, it's, you have to put forth the effort. Uh, if isolation is what we're talking about, we all know what that is. Mm-hmm. You have to put forth the effort. It's just like, you know, people uh, that are depressed, they, they don't want to get out of bed. They, they just have to make themselves do these things. You can't just give in to it. You have to fight against it. And like I said, having people uh, around you and having a support system mm. is very, very necessary. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think part of it is there's a philosophy in our culture that, that emotion and, and our feelings is paramount. Do you think that that's part of the problem? In other words, 
instead of our mind saying, you're going to get out of bed. If you don't feel like getting it, then you follow your feelings as opposed to your knowledge. Do you feel like that that's part of what sort of makes anxiety and depression more prevalent? Yes. In fact, I'm really glad you asked that question because uh, thinking you feel how you think, David. Mm -hmm. So many times we have it backwards. We feel something, then we think something. But if we're going to be mentally healthy, as we're talking about tonight, we are going to have to first start with our thoughts, Mm. what we think. You know, you can get up in the morning and smile, even smiling, that one behavior, even though you don't feel like it, it's been proven you'll feel better if you smile. Uh, But your thought life is extremely important Mm. uh, because how you think is how you feel and how you feel affects your behavior. Mm. That is the, uh, that really is the way it works. So it has to start with your thought. You know, I'm thinking of all the biblical principles that shore that up. You you have to, as a man thinketh in his heart, so he is. So is he, yes. So we start with our thoughts and then we go from their emotions, from emotions to actions. Yes. And so the key is to get back at the beginning and to think right. So if we're listening to the news all the time, if we're listening to all these models and flattening the curve, and yeah. you know, I was reading this report, um, I guess it was just earlier today, they'd come up with a model for Brevard County. Mm-hmm. And they have these models and they have these numbers. And I'm not even going to say the numbers because I think it just creates more anxiety. But I think... When you listen to all of this over and over and over again, a person can sort of dwell on that mm-hmm. and then their emotions kind of take over. Yes. So mm-hmm. part of getting that thinking right is to make sure that you're ingesting or listening to the right stuff. Yes. So that I'm just putting, you know, pieces of a puzzle together in my own mind. So that goes back to um, spiritually, you got to spend time in the word of God. You do. Absolutely. Because that affects your thinking. Yes. Is that something that you advise when when you do your counseling? Yes. Well, I am a Christian counselor. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. two Bibles on my desk, on my uh, table in my office. Uh, But yes, absolutely. Uh, There are so many scriptures. I've written a few down, like Psalms 46, 1 says, God is our refuge and our strength a very present help in the time of trouble. Mm. And when I was going through my own bout of anxiety, uh, there were certain scriptures that I would absolutely repeat in my mind several times a day because they would keep me hopeful Mm. and they strengthened me. Uh, Psalm 34 says, I sought the Lord Mm -hmm. and he delivered me from all my fears. Wow. Uh, you can hold on to those promises. Right. Absolutely. You know, uh, earlier, Rachel had asked a question about uh, children. And let's go back and explore that a little bit more mm-hmm. um, since we have a few minutes here. What are, what are some ways during this pandemic that uh, families can come together and do things together to sort of mitigate the the negative aspects of this crisis? Well, like I said, I think everyone should have a schedule yeah, um, and they should have a fun programmed into it. Mm. Uh, the other thing is, I think uh, this has also been uh, advocated even when 
we're not going through this type of crisis, but it's good to have family meetings when you get together, uh, maybe once or twice during the week, and talk about what's going on, uh, how everybody's doing, what could we do better, uh, let's plan uh, some different things for next week. Family meetings are great. And, of course, praying with them mm-hmm. uh, and reading the Word of God will strengthen the children as yeah. well as adults. Absolutely. That's great. And one of the things I've, I've noticed, you know, even in my own family, is that when we have this uh, revival by what we call the E-Revival, and we have this, you know, 45 minutes or sometimes it's an hour long, but most of the time it's only between 30 and 45 minutes. And we have someone preach and there's a time of prayer at the end that it's a great opportunity to be able to pray with your family, pray with your children, pray with your spouse and to be able to have a time. But, you know, one of the things that I've noticed is that when you're in church and a service goes forth, there's a message and there's presence of God. We come to the altar. We linger. But it seems like in this this technology era now that we're in because of this uh, social distancing period that we're into right now, it seems like that whenever the word goes out, but the application of it seems to be more short lived. In other words, when the video goes off, it, we have a tendency to go back to our our routine very quick or go back to whatever we were doing before yeah. it came on. So I think it's it's you know I'm mean, just kind of piggybacking off what you said about a routine. I think it's important to be able to have uh, some sort of a agenda of ourselves instead of just waiting on and, and watching the program, but to actually have some sort of a structure, whether it's asking our children questions, mm-hmm. it's, you know, praying with them, mm-hmm. uh, helping, letting that time be a time to discuss yes, these absolutely. issues. Do you, do you think there's value in doing that? Like at the close of a, yes. of a service or a message? Yes. Um, if you recall, we used to have a book in our family, a uh, devotional book, and uh, your father and I would read the story, the Bible story, and then there would be questions, and then we would ask you the questions. So if you uh, can have some kind of a program like that where you involve everybody, mm-hmm. uh, where they're answering questions, and, you know, kids really do like routine. They like tradition. And it's a wonderful time to establish something like that if you haven't already. Yeah. Uh, just have a, a devotional time where it's just not prayer or just a short story that you read, but you actually engage them yeah. and have some kind of a, a book or a devotional where you can ask questions and then the time will be longer. Gotcha. What about children uh, that are very young? They may be dealing with with fear. Um, what is some of the ways that parents can be helpful with uh, children that are fearful? Well, again, um, the very young. Uh, one thing that we as parents know is that children mirror our attitudes. Yeah. So we want to be very sure with the young ones. Perhaps they cannot voice their fears, but if you look worried all the time or angry or you're more upset, mm-hmm. they pick up on, ooh, something is wrong. There's more tension. And so one of the ways to help those that perhaps are too young to communicate 
is to uh, show your own strengths and, uh, you know, don't be angry. Be pleasant, as pleasant as you can be, and uh, just try to uh, exhibit confidence and uh, not be uh, upset or something where they's like, oh, what's wrong? Uh, with the young, you have to, they'll pick up on your expression, on your feelings, on the, mm-hmm. you know, the way that you look and the way you talk. Yeah. What, uh, what are some ground rules that can be implemented in a family to sort of encourage uh, peace and harmony? Because, you know, I think a lot of people, uh, they go to work and everybody has, like you mentioned, the routine. But also there's a lot more spacing. And now everybody's being uh, forced into one space, husbands, mm-hmm. wives, kids. You know, I saw, a really, I saw a really funny video the other day. And they were asking this man, they said, during this time of quarantine, would you rather A, be quarantined with your wife and children, or B, he said B, <laughs> even before he knew what B was. <laughs> but, you know, uh, people are, are, are coming together and, they're, you know, in, in addition to all of the other, you know, external uh, circumstances that are troubling just the logistics and the practicality of everybody being forced together for long extended period of times, then they may not be used to that. Yes. What, what is, what is the best way for people to navigate those waters? Um, It doesn't mean they don't love each other. You know, it's just, they're in the middle of a difference in their schedule. They're really thrown together. Right. Right. In an inordinate amount of time. I, I think you can be creative. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, if you have children that are old enough to express themselves or teenagers, uh, you know, get their input. You know, uh, we are, you know, we're all thrown together. And I know, you know, maybe it's getting boring or people are getting on each other's nerves. What do you think we could do differently? Uh, I know that you're playing games with your kids yeah. now. Oh, I'm telling you, I've played Monopoly. <laughs> I think I've played Monopoly. It's I almost feel like I'm in a, a hurricane. You know, we used to always play yeah. Monopoly in hurricanes. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like I'm in an extended hurricane. Yeah. <laughs> I think I've played more Monopoly in the last two weeks than I've played in the, my entire life. And my family is ruthless. They all gang up against me. Oh. You know how competitive I am. Yeah. And... Uh, but we have found that we have a lot of fun. Yeah. And it's it, one of the great things, the silver lining to this uh, time is that a, as a family, you you really can spend more time, you know, and we think we're spending time with them. But are we really? Because we just kind of see them at dinner and, exactly. and we're, we all yeah. got fast paced lives and all. But, yeah, to your point. So playing board games is good. Yeah. Playing board games, card games are I think being creative, like let's have a picnic in the front yard, do something, you know, different. Um, Now I have teenage, I have twin 16 year old teenage boys. Yeah. What are the chances of me getting them to do a picnic? Probably your, your eight year old, your eight year old. She's 10. Oh, 10. (laughs) My mistake. My we won't mistake. tell. We won't tell her you said That's that. Dan, I knew that. Uh, but you know, she might like a picnic. Yeah, that no, she would. She might like, a especially picnic. if it involves tea. Yeah, tea and uh, 
you know, uh, bike riding together. Bike riding, yeah. Uh, walking, uh, I mean, maybe not the boys, but uh, Sophia. But you can ask them. Yeah. You know, so many times kids have ideas. Absolutely. Uh, and they can help us in situations like this. Absolutely. What they enjoy, what's fun. Well, we're talking here with Dr. Myers, and we're talking about mental health, some of the practical things that we can do with our homes and families during this time of crisis. And uh, I know our time is getting away from us, uh, Dr. Myers. And if you have any uh, questions that you want to uh, submit, we'll take maybe just one or two more. Uh, one thing that I wanted to ask you is, uh, I think, something that's very important, Dr. Myers, and we've sort of dovetailed in with some of these discussions as it relates to spiritual disciplines. But what are what are some kind of spiritual exercises that would be helpful in uh, navigating this crisis? Well, I think this online church that we're doing, right. and like you said, we're having it every night, um, getting the family together, and not just listening, but participating, singing, standing up. If you ask them, you know, just like we were going to church, uh, clapping their hands, really participating, you know, in the service uh, and having this every night. I think that's fantastic, Uh, you know, uh, and uh, we're very fortunate because uh, in our church with your leadership, you are offering their Sunday school. Is it every day? Every day at noon, they're releasing programming for the children. Yes. You know, Sister Alexis and Kayla, they're doing a tremendous job. And even today, they had tremendous programming out there for the children. So Yes. And as far as spiritually, um, I know our church is is really providing a lot of opportunity to stay engaged in, uh, you know, worshiping in the Word of God. Yeah. So just getting the the family together and, and getting get them exposed and making it sort of a priority of their day. Mm-hmm. One of the things that, you know, you mentioned this programming that we're doing is that we wanted to give people uh, resources so that if they couldn't watch it at that time, you know, yes. at all archives, they can watch it later. But the more we've been talking tonight, the more value I've seen in just having that routine mm-hmm. that every time, you know, like I know, I'm going to watch the, the president's press conference, which is usually around 530 ish. Yes. And then, you know, we're going to have service at seven, right? you know, and then we're going to eat after. So you give yourself a little bit of a routine, you know, even if it's only for a portion of the day. Yes. And uh, so that's beneficial. I I think the routine really uh, is important and getting out outside. Getting outside. Yeah. Good. Well, Dr. Myers, we thank you for your time. You're welcome. And thank you for all that you do for so many people uh, East Wind, and then not only East Wind, but also for uh, many other people that are uh, a part of your clientele that you work with, and your practice helps people of all different denominations, uh, people that attend other churches, yes, and and also people that are out of state. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've gotten involved in some uh, video conferencing and being able to counsel mm-hmm. people that are out of state. So, um, if you would like to talk to Dr. Myers. Uh, you can certainly uh, reach out uh, to her through our church, and we'll uh, help her get get her set up electronic wise. <laughs> yeah. She's still harnessing technology, but I am. We really do want you and Bishop to, you know, just you know, be healthy, be safe, and uh, take care. I've been I've been telling you guys to stay at home, but it's hard to keep you all at home. But uh, 
I do, uh, I do pray that you guys will stay healthy. Thank you. And that uh, you'll we're be wearing safe. masks. You're wearing a mask. We both have masks. Or when you wear it, I wore some one, one today. Oh, <laughs> I wore it today, and I wear it to the grocery store. Oh, okay, good. And whenever I, uh, you know, go out, and I'm just not home. Yeah, we got mixed. You know, we were told not to wear a mask, and then we were yeah. told to wear a mask. Right. So you know, it seems like we get a different. A different report, but that's good. Yeah. I think the mask is beneficial for my limited medical experience. <laughs> I mean, but it just seems like it would make sense if it's being transferred through the droplets of water that they say is in sneezing and coughing that well, wearing a mask would be helpful. Well, what made them change from it's we probably don't need it to it's probably a good thing is that just talking, it doesn't have to be oh. a person coughing or sneezing, but. If you're in a company, if you're talking to someone, yeah. you can be infected. Wow! If they're infected, good. Well, I'm I'm glad that you're um, you're taking those precautions, mm-hmm. and uh, just pray that you guys will be safe. And Thank you. If there's anything at all, you know, we can do as a church. Just let us know, and not just for Doctor and Bishop Myers, but um, all of our um, senior citizens. I'm so thankful to Brother and Sister Richie that is going around on Mondays and uh, visiting with our senior citizens and providing CDs of the services because not, they're not all on the internet, yeah, you know, true. and uh, they're, they're going around and they're making sure that they're taken care of. And we have such a great team. We do. Our team at East wind, brother Tyler and all the technology team. And, you know, we had people comment today. They were like, you know, as they pulled in, the young people were greeting them with signs and had the radio station frequency and they had them bagged with, you know, the communion cups in the bags and information sheets and letters, you know, to give them authorization to travel when they come to service and all that. And we had some people comment today about how all of that doesn't just happen. It has right. to be organized. But we have such a great team at East Wind. We're blessed. Absolutely. And so we're so thankful for all of you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. And uh, we're so glad. We pray that all of you stay uh, strong spiritually and emotionally and mentally. And don't forget... Tomorrow night, we're going to be starting E-Revival with Brother Josh Herring at 7 o'clock. So I want you to join us. I know you'll be blessed. Tomorrow night, we'll be uh, Brother Josh Herring at 7 o'clock. Tuesday night, we'll be uh, Brother Chris Green. You're going to be blessed by his ministry. Brother Mark Morgan, Wednesday night. And then on Thursday, Mark Brown, uh, who ministered to us last year. And then Friday night, Brother Josh Carson, who is our international youth president preached a great message for a good Friday right before Easter. And then Saturday night will be brother Dylan Morgan, who is our evangelist here with us for the next several months. And then next Sunday is Easter and Easter is going to be a great time. We're going to go back to the church and we're going to have a driving service. And we're, uh, we've ordered little uh, vials of oil that we can pass out to everyone. Oh. And they'll have oil. They can anoint their home with oil. Excellent. And so we're uh, hoping that will all come in. Uh, by Easter, there's, yeah. you know, they can't guarantee anything right now, shipping wise, but yeah. uh, they have given us indication that it's it's on its way. So we're praying that'll be here by Easter. But we're gonna have a great time. And if there's anything at all we can do to serve you, just let us know. God bless you, East Wind. We love you.